Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. Welcome back to the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But That Channel. And we want to remind everybody that we have joined the Off The Ball Network. So we really appreciate wherever you are accessing us from, whether it's Nothing But Net, whether it's in podcast form on any of the podcast websites you may listen. You can also check out all the other great shows on Off The Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com and you can check out all that coverage, whether it's articles, other podcasts, radio shows. We have everything on offtheballnetwork.com, including coverage of all different sports. A reminder that we are sponsored by BetUS. BetUS is the newest sponsor of the Off the Ball Network. They have the fastest payouts in the industry and offer a 125% sign-up bonus when you use promo code OFFTHEBALL in all caps at sign-up. Head over to BetUS.com to sign up today. Again, that's BetUS.com, promo code OFFTHEBALL in all caps. Unlike all the other bars out there that taste either like old Play-Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a Built Bar, you will think you are cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids find out how good these are, you're going to have to buy more because they will be begging for them. They have great flavors such as cookies and cream, double chocolate, strawberry, peanut butter brownie, and much more. Use the code OFFTHEBALL in all caps at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. Again, that's OFFTHEBALL, all caps, at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. All right, let's jump right into this edition of The Howl. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. And this week, we are going to discuss on this episode four most recent games, starting with the Knicks game and ending with the most recent Clippers matchup. And so we're going to jump right in with the first game on the docket, and that is Wolves and the Knicks. So as we jump right into this one, kind of interesting here, looking at Wolves losing streaks going into this Knicks game. So we had 12 games against Denver we had lost in a row, snapped that one. We had Boston eight games in a row. That was snapped as well. We had Philadelphia 
eight games, and we snapped that one. And then you had Memphis, seven. So pretty impressive there. Just there's a number of teams that, for whatever reason, the Wolves have struggled against, and it's good to see them start to get in the right direction so far this season. Knicks, by the way, haven't had consecutive wins since the beginning of the season. So that should kind of set the table for how the Wolves should take this game. They got to come in and they got to take care of business, just like other teams have done in the same situation. As far as starting is concerned, we go with Knight, Jaden, J-Mac, Beasley, and Bev. That's not exactly the ideal starting lineup for my money, especially when you're going up against the Knicks, right? I have some concerns. And I will say this, when this game was over, <clears throat> I took to Twitter to talk to other fans, talk to media, talk to different people in regards to this game. And it seemed like I was one of the few people that felt the way that I did. And we'll get into that as far as uh, my issues with the way Chris Finch coached this game. Now, the funny thing is, fast forward a week, and a lot of people seem to really be agreeing with me uh, and some of my issues I had over the last week. So uh, we'll kind of go over that as well. Early on in this game, it was the Evan Fournier show. He is up 5-2, to two, but Jaden able to answer right back, and he has 5 as well. Good to see the Wolves fighting for offensive boards in this game, despite no Vando. If Vando's not going to be in the game, other guys have to step up, and we had started to see that in this game. Defensive re- rebounding, though, has been an issue, as the Wolves with this lineup just could not stop Robinson. 15-9, to nine, Knicks are up as they start to catch fire from 3, 8-0 run. Knight picks up where he left off, already six points after an and-one missed free throw. So, you know, looking at this starting lineup, I think my biggest concern was, you have Greg Monroe, why not use him? I think that we've seen Nathan Knight at times be successful as the five, but when you're going up against someone like Mitchell Robinson, they talked about this during the telecast, how he's up to, I believe, 260 pounds. What are we doing? Put in Greg Monroe. Put in a true center, a guy that can really help out inside. I think that was a big issue, and I don't understand why Chris Finch didn't go that direction. Wolves continue to go small, and I, again, have no idea why they continued to do so, as it was definitely hurting them, and the Knicks were able to build their lead back up to six. Again, I talked about this earlier, but I had a lot of issues in this game with Finch's rotations. Nas comes in, and Lehman comes in? I didn't understand, why do we have to use Lehman and Jaden at the four? Why does that have to be a thing? Why not we why don't we just go big? Use the guys that are designed or better suited to play the four at the four, right? Why does Lehman have to do it? Why does Jaden have to do it? It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Use Nathan Knight at the four, right? You can use I think Nas Reed could play some four if you needed to alongside Greg Monroe. I just think there's better combinations that could have been used. If you had to use someone at the four of Jaden and Lehman, why not make it Lehman and use Jaden as your three. He's a three. We've just, we've established that. And I don't understand how it is that the Tim Worlds organization doesn't seem to get that. Or at least Chris Finch doesn't seem to get that. That's been one of my issues uh, with him in his tenure here is just how he's used Jaden. J-Mac, another game, and at least early on in this gun, he was decent. Uh, people won't agree with this, but if you take your hate goggles off, and you'll see in some of these games, he has played some decent basketball. He has been a contributor who has made positive impact on the Wolves. But again, this goes back to my original question. Why is Finch obsessed with him? No one's asking that question. Granted, there's better ways to ask it. But if you're in the media, how are you not after a game saying, you know what, what's the rationale for playing J-Mac when there's other players that have been more productive throughout the season? 
For example, why did you stick with J-Mac for so long when you had Jalen Noel? Granted, eventually Jalen Noel got hurt, but it wasn't from playing in games. It was in practice because he hadn't been playing. And now we've seen, if you want to call an emergence of Jalen Noel, you can, but we already knew that he was capable of this. We just didn't give him the opportunity, or at least the coaching staff didn't. So those are kind of the questions that I have as I'm watching this game when it comes to the lineups, when it comes to the rotations, when it comes to certain players on the team. Now Kogi comes in, and I say it again, I just don't get what they were doing in this game, and right after he comes in, he has a really, really stupid turnover, and that's a really consistent issue, is he makes mistakes offensively. Wolves down 29-22, and I'll say it again, after the first quarter, 29-22, that's on Finch. That was on how we used our players and the rotations. Bottom line. That's how I felt. Monroe comes in to start the second, and I felt like at this point, was it too little too late? The lineup that is in is solid. At least I felt it was solid finally. Noel, Knight, Monroe, Bev, and Beasley. Everyone is playing the right position. That's all I want to see is I want to see guys being used correctly. Now, granted, you're going a little small at the three position in this lineup. You'd have Beasley as your three. That's not ideal, but I, I think it was okay in this instance and at least guys are being to me are being used a lot more appropriately Beasley unfortunately has offered nothing so far in this game on either end Knicks are now up 15 make it 17 after they go on a 17 to 2 run and the word that came to mind at this point for me was pathetic and again I blame the coach Wolves 1 of 12 from 3 make it 1 of 14 and the Noel shot it just looks rushed and weird in this game, which you haven't normally seen. So that was a little unfortunate. One of the things that I felt when I watched this game was I personally thought different rotations, different lineups would have made the difference in this game. But most people disagreed with me, and it was because of the shooting. And I think that's fair to say that maybe maybe I'm wrong because the shooting was that bad. But to me, if you take away a lot of the rebounding issues, it takes away a lot of the Knicks' points. And considering how close you were able to keep this from parts of this game, that's where I think people are incorrect. I do think if we had made those adjustments, that it would have made a difference long-term. And it would have, if not helped out the Wolves offensively, I think it would have helped out them defensively. Because I get that they didn't make shots. But you know who did make a lot of shots? The Knicks. If we had been more consistent. If we had been able to stop Mitchell Robinson, for example, from getting second-chance points, grabbing offensive rebounds, it would have made a difference. And that's where I'm at with that. Finally, though, Beasley's able to hit a three. Wolves are back to 12, and that's his first basket of the game. 7-14 to go in that first half. And then he misses what feels like a million shots in a row. And you look at this game, and you say, Malik Beasley's hurting the Wolves. And we have seen that in many games this year. Now, I think he's got a decent amount of trade value. And the reason I think that is because he's one of the few players in the league that has been able to get four makes or more in a large amount of games. I don't remember what the number is at this point, but it's up there. And so for, if you're a team looking for shooting, you would probably consider Malik Beasley. Now, granted, the Wolves, right, we're a team that needs shooting, but he's not consistent enough for what we need. But I think there's probably a team out there that would be willing to give up something for him. That's the hope anyways. But ultimately, what it's going to come down to is we need Malik Beasley to catch fire because right now, as you watch this team, who should be playing? Malik Beasley or Jalen Noel? To me, it's not close. It's Jalen Noel. He just offers you better defense. In many cases, it seems like he puts in more of an effort on the rebounding. Just an overall more balanced player and better scorer and a better shooter right now. Those are things that I don't think can really be 
discuss or that can really be, I guess, disagreed with. To me, it's it's just that's the way it is. Five minutes to go, and you now have how about this? Twenty nine points. That's all. That's all the team has scored. Don't think the Wolves could have been worse offensively at this point. A Beasley dunk, though, on a pass from Monroe to start the fast break. Bees is 2 of 9 from the field, but dunks are always that question mark, right? Can that get a guy going? And it's 42 to 33, and it's back to single digits, just like that for the Wolves. Now we're using a lineup, J-Mac, Beasley, Jaden, Knight, and Monroe. And now we're really using guys in the right positions, which is great to see. I didn't understand why this was so hard for Finch. Why do we have to... We're already short players at the at a minimum. Why aren't we using guys where they are most effective? Put guys in positions to succeed as opposed to fail, which I personally think that we have done that throughout the season. We put guys in positions to fail, and I don't understand why you want to. We're already a team that struggles a bit just in terms of the fact that we're 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 still fairly young. We don't have a ton of great veteran presence, although you're getting that I think from guys like Patrick Beverly. So to me, put guys in a position to succeed, and I feel like at times Finch hasn't done that effectively, which is a little frustrating. Is We used that lineup for about half a second. We then uh, went small again. We finally had it back to within eight after a Beasley three, and you felt like there was a little momentum, and unfortunately Finch disagreed. We go with J-Mac, Beasley, Jaden, Akogi, and Nas, which is so much fun. I watched that lineup come in. I looked. I just looked at the screen. I always said, Finch. It's just so frustrating to have that happen. See? Even my two-year-old agrees. It was frustrating. R.J. Barrett, an offensive foul, and that's his third. But sadly, Grimes is back in, and he's having the game of a lifetime. So that was unfortunate. It's like you get R.J. Barrett out, you hope that can be a positive. But the guy they bring in had actually been playing better. So it ended up not working out, though. Beasley... He's able to hit another three, and it seems like maybe the dunk worked to get him kind of feeling feeling things on the offensive end. It's a 17-5 run, back within five, three minutes to go in the first half. But unfortunately, a Beasley heat check, really bad shot early in the shot clock. And we'll say it again, Beasley! Just so frustrating when this stuff happens. Heat check shots, by the way, have been an issue from day one for this team. Not just Beasley, but Anthony Edwards does it. Delo's done it. It's just one of those things where if we could take that part of the shooting out of the game, I would appreciate it, Wolves, because you're not good enough to take those kinds of shots consistently. You just aren't. Although I'll say this. If there was one guy that I, I like taking it just in terms of it's paid off in so many instances, it would probably be Delo or Ant. But overall, let's just take it out. Let's just not do it. Uh, Jaden, by the way, it's called for a foul. It's a perfectly clean block. Finch challenges it. And I say to myself, if this isn't overturned, we need to get rid of the challenge. And Finch is trying to redeem himself here with a really nice challenge, I thought. Uh, but here's the goofy thing. So we win the challenge, and the ball was clearly off of Robinson. So to me, it should be Wolves' ball. But the way the rule is written, you can't do that. So they overturn it, and they make it a jump ball. Why? If the evidence is clear that he blocked it and went off of a Knicks play out of bounds, why are we not able to just give it to the give the ball to the Wolves? And no shocker, we we went small, right? The jump ball is one we're not going to win because Mitchell Robinson's huge, so he gets the ball. So great, we won the jump ball or we won the challenge. And yes, it does take away a foul from Jaden McDaniel's, who's as foul prone as it gets. But you don't even get the ball back, so it's it's just a little frustrating there. 
Knicks, by the way, six of sixteen, and Wolves six of six of eighteen in this quarter. I don't know what you want to say about this game, but it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable uh, in terms of wanting to watch good shooting. That definitely didn't happen. Jaden, though, a nice attack, up to nine points now, a minute to go, and it is a three-point game. And how about this? So close. J-Mac almost hits the butterbeater half-court shot, misses it by a hair, but a 19-5 run to end the quarter, 44-41, Knicks are on top. And taking a look at the halftime stats and who was winning what, so effective field goal percentage was by far the Knicks. We're talking 55-42%. to Points off turnovers were even, actually, both with seven. Second chance points, Knicks are on top 4-2. to two. And free throws, actually, Wolves are up by one. It's one of six for the Knicks, which is, like I said, that is real bad. And that's part of the reason why the shooting has been so bad in this game. And then you have the Wolves, much better in this one, five of seven, although you'd obviously prefer to have those two points. And at that point, it'd be a one-point game. But it's nice to see one area where the Wolves aren't totally terrible in this game as far as offensive and shooting. Wolves use the same starters again in the second half as they did to start the first, and you're hoping somehow, magically, it doesn't have the same result, but that just seems unlikely. Both teams, though, start off very cold as the shooting slumps continue for both the Wolves and the Knicks. Let me take a moment to say you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute Channel, and we are the Howl. We are your source for Timber Wolves Radio, talking all things Wolves, Iowa Wolves, and recently we have added Minnesota Gover basketball coverage. J-Mac misses from three, but grabs his own board, scores, and it is back to one, and then Jaden gets a steal and a stuff. Wolves are back on top, 45-44. to I have a question as I watch this game. Am I the only person that just really dislikes Julius Randle? I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Now, if I recall, and I could be wrong here, I recall there was a dust-up or like a little in a weird interaction between Julius Randle and Kevin Garnett in that final season. Not that that's the only reason I dislike Julius Randle, but the guy just comes off unlikable. His pers- Something about his personality, the, the, his attitude on the court, I don't know how to explain it, but something about him I just I find very unlikable. I, I, there's a number of players in the NBA, historically and currently, where I felt that way, where for whatever reason, I just... I don't like them as players, and he's definitely one of them. My question would be, why is J-Mac taking pull-up threes in transition? I don't care how wide open you are. You're not a good three-point shooter. He misses it, and Fournier doesn't because, of course, in transition, you're going to get a good look if you're the Knicks, and the Knicks, just like that, are back on top. So you just killed all this momentum that you had because J-Mac's like, hey, I'm not good at this. Why don't I try to do it anyways? Super frustrating. Size, definitely still an issue. Knicks building momentum again. Robinson is killing the Wolves on the offensive glass. And Knight now has four fouls. Guess what? You want to know why he has four fouls? Because he's being used wrong. He's being used out of position. We have Greg Monroe just sitting on the bench. Finch, what are you doing? Nas ends up coming in. Again, I say it. Why can't we let Monroe go against Robinson? That would have hands down been our best shot. And we just didn't do it. Absolutely stupid. I'm sorry, but it was. If you disagree with me, at this point, I just don't care because I'm so passionate about the fact that this was a big mistake. Funny thing, uh, Fibs challenges a foul. Replay shows not only was it a foul, J-Mac was actually fouled three separate times, not just one. Unfortunately, J-Mac is an awful free throw shooter. Misses it. Knicks back up seven. I'm going to say it again. Thanks, Finch. 8 of 13 from the free throw line for the Wolves. So we talked about those two misses in the first half, and the struggles have continued in the second. 
Wolves now down 11 as the Knicks dominating the glass. Wonder why. And uh, you move on, unfortunately. Seven offensive rebounds in the third quarter alone for the Knicks. Out of the timeout, finally Monroe is in. And I'll say it again. Is it too little too late? Beasley, his 4-3, has it back to within six. Then a two, and it's back to four. Meanwhile, the Wolves bench, only three points in the game. Noel absolutely needs to wake up if we're going to find a way to win this game. Randall, a really weird play. He leads with his knee, which normally, last time I checked, that's not allowed. But in this case, it's allowed. And not only was it allowed, uh, he used his knee. He hits Greg Monroe below the belt with his knee, and it's called a foul on Monroe. Not sure how that works. Monroe, though, really actually looked pretty good at the, in this game defensively. As, as, a, as a team, the Wolves had eight blocks, six of them alone in this third quarter. Noel finally hits a three, and it is back to six points. So close. The Wolves kept getting so close, but they just, for whatever reason, could not get over the hump. 72-62 after three as the Wolves tried to push, but they couldn't consistently get stops. That was the biggest issue we saw in that third quarter. Lehman, by the way, can't rebound well. Knight is in foul trouble. Monroe is trying to do what he can in the fourth, but it's so tough. And again, is it too little too late? Now the lead for the Knicks is up to 13, and it really felt over at this point, despite there being tons of game left. For whatever reason, when I watch Wolves games, I get to a point when we're down where it just feels like you hit a moment and you say, I don't think we're coming back. And it, unfortunately, nine times out of ten, it ends up being, it ends up being correct. Jaden, five straight points, and it's a seven-point game. But can the Wolves get consistent stops? Current lineup is not good, so I didn't think so. But this is what we went with. Noel, Beasley, Lehman, Jaden, and Knight was the lineup we were going with. And to me, it just didn't seem like it was going to be successful. Well, finishes off a Wolves 7-0 run. Thibs calls timeout as it's a five-point game with nine to go in the fourth. Knicks up to 15 three-makes to just seven for the Wolves. No shock when you see that number that we're losing. Shooting made an absolute difference. And I'll say this. Despite the issues I had with Finch in this game, they still had a chance to win if they made shots. Bottom line, they still could have done it. It just did not work out that way. Robinson gets back to absolutely dominating our small ball lineups that we, for whatever reason, just continued to go with throughout this game. Seven to go. Wolves down six. Wolves, honestly, were just had, they had moments couldn't hit shots, and just didn't have the size. Meanwhile, another block for Jaden, as he has absolutely dominated Randall with his defense. As Ben says, putting on a show, he has four blocks in the game. The big issue here, too, is too many wide-open misses for the Wolves. So credit Finch. He has, despite some of the rotation issues, he has gotten the offense where players are getting wide-open shots. They just can't hit them. From three, seven of 34. After a Noel wide-open three is another miss. Four-point game, though, with six to go. And I'll say this, Lehman had some nice stretches in this game. For a guy that hardly ever plays, I think when he's had to play so far this season, he's looked pretty good. Falling out, unfortunately. Playing up against Mitchell Robinson was just not the right call. But I'm not going to harp on that some more. Wolves, unfortunately, in this game, it felt like they were kind of in quicksand at this point. Stuck in that four- to nine-point deficit, and they could never get the big stop or the big make. And that was a big problem. Beasley misses another wide-open three. And honestly, that was the story of the game for the whole team. Seven-point game, though, with four to go. Randall grabs, throws Noel to the ground, and somehow it's a double foul. How? So I can just grab a guy, throw him to the ground, it's a foul on him and me? It doesn't make sense to me. 
Beverly, unfortunately, this game was a little rusty. It was his first game back. He was 0 of 8, and the floater game, he just didn't have it. The timing was off. It wasn't there. Five-point game, though, after the Wolves get a stop. And Beasley, though, unfortunately, one of the dumbest shots I have ever seen. I mean, at this point, you just knew what was going to happen. And unfortunately, yes, the Wolves do end up losing to the Knicks. Final score in this one, 96-88 is your final. Really, the big nail in the Wolves' coffin were to start the first half and the second half. Outscored 29-22 in the first and 28-21 in the third. Wonder what could have changed that. Anyways, that's going to do it for the Timberwolves-Knicks. And we're going to jump now into our next game on the list. Wolves taking on the Jazz. Again, you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But That Channel, and we are the Howl. As seen on ABC Shark Tank and invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, Ice Shaker received offers from all five sharks in the show. Kitchen-grade insulated stainless steel that will keep your drinks cold and won't absorb odor like a plastic shaker bottle does. Created by the Gronk Brothers, for anyone living an active and healthy lifestyle, the ice shaker is perfect for every drink, not just protein shakes. The patented twist in agitator will break up any powders, but also works as a strainer to make sure you always get the perfect pour. Use promo code OFFTHEBALL in all caps and help out the network. Again, that's ice shaker, and you can use the promo code OFFTHEBALL in all caps. Visit iceshaker.com. All right, now we're going to jump into the second matchup we're talking about on this edition of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But That Channel, and that is Wolves versus the Jazz. A couple things to keep in mind. No Joe Ingles and no Mike Conley in this game for the Jazz, but opposite side, no Towns and no Russell. Sorry, Jazz, but I would have to say that the guys we're missing, a little bit more important to our success. That's not to take anything away from Joe Ingles or Mike Conley. Fantastic players big part of what the Jazz are doing, but they just aren't as important as losing a Rudy Gobert or losing a Donovan Mitchell. So I think that's kind of where we're at with that. Jazz, by the way, coming to this game, they have won 13 of 15. For the Wolves, their 17th different lineup, and that is second in the NBA. Wolves, by the way, lead the NBA in three-point attempts. Unfortunately, they are pretty much the last team in terms of three-point percentage it's been ugly to say the least wolves by the way so this game is taking place on new year's eve wolves are one and three all time on new year's eve let's jump in nas reed fantastic footwork to start this game and the wolves are up four to one i just cannot say enough good things about the way we've started to see nas reed improve this season now there's a caveat there and the caveat that i'll say is that over the last couple weeks Nas Reed has not been good. There's no other way to put it. And that's part of the reason why I've been so tough on Chris Finch when we saw this really solid play right out of the gates from Greg Monroe. It makes me look at Nas Reed, and I say to myself, I need more. I need more. That's that's the bottom line. And we're going to touch more on Nas Reed, especially in the next game, so that Lakers game. But ultimately, he needs to be better and more consistent if this team is going to be successful. And there's going to be some games where he's probably not the best guy to have out there. A guy like Greg Monroe with some size that is just a, it's a different player. Nasri can stretch the floor. Greg Monroe's not doing that. There's just different things that you get from those players. I would argue that Greg Monroe's probably more of a true center, if that makes sense, just in terms of his size. So keep that in mind as we talk about Nas Reed. 
the Wizard of Nas, as uh, we obviously titled this episode. And a shout-out to Dave Benz. He's kind of the guy that gave me the idea. Now, initially, or originally, he came up with Wizard of Boz when we had Shabazz Muhammad, and I kind of rolled with that when I came up, when or when I thought of this. And actually, I think Dave Benz may have also done Wizard of Nas on one of the telecasts. I don't know for sure. But regardless, it wouldn't have happened without him. So uh, shout-out to him and the fantastic job that him and Jim Pete do on a nightly basis. To me, it's not close. They are the best announcing crew in the NBA. I just don't know how the Wolves got so fortunate, how the fans got so fortunate. It's every single game you learn something. And the big thing for me is that they aren't like over-the-top homers. Jim Peterson's very honest, and I really appreciate that. Jumping in, Beasley gets an early three, which is good to see. You just never know what you're going to get with Malik Beasley. We definitely haven't gotten the Malik Beasley we got last season. But we have seen stretches. We have seen individual games where you've gotten peaks of that old or that the Beasley that we had seen initially in his time with the Wolves. A number of iffy calls already in this game have really benefited the Jazz, including a really nice block by Nas Reed that was somehow called a foul. Uh, you know, one of the problems that you sometimes run into with the Wolves team is the stats back this up. We just don't get foul calls, and we the teams that we play, the Wolves foul a lot. Now, part of that is because they're very aggressive on defense, but also, for whatever reason, we don't get the, the respect of the officials. I don't know what it's going to take. We talk about that pretty much every episode, but it's a common problem, and it's frustrating. As a person that covers the team, as a fan of the team, you don't get used to that kind of thing. Nas works hard, though, on the glass, and we started to see that with Nas. He's definitely putting more of an effort in the glass. Rebounding has become more of an effort for him, and that was a big knock on Nas Reed for me throughout this season even, is that he just isn't a great rebounder. We've started to see more of that. Now, part of that could be... The guy, I would say part of that could be the guys that he's playing with, but if you think about the way that we use most of our rotations, generally Nas is the main rebounder. A lot of the times the guys that he's playing with on the bench aren't going to be guys that are necessarily, you know, he's not. I don't feel like he's playing a ton with Vando. If he played, for example, if he played a lot with Vando, maybe that would be different, but if you look at that, Carl Anthony Towns grabs a ton of rebounds. So ultimately it's, it's just about want to. Anyone that remembers Kevin Love with the Wolves, nobody fought for rebounds. Nobody wanted to get those stats. Now, granted, is it with Kevin Love, it was always a little bit of a, um, not a detriment, that's not the right word, but he was almost selfish. But I'd prefer that, right? A guy that just wants the numbers, even if it's for a selfish reason. That's just how I felt anyways. It helps the team, though, so that's all right. That's what I want to see from Nas. That's what I want to see from the Wolves as a whole. Let's box out. Let's fight for rebounds. There's no reason why every single player can't consistently be fighting for those rebounds. A little over eight minutes to go in the first, and the Jazz already in the bonus. I think that kind of starts to uh, help you tell a story a little bit there. Nas already has two fouls. Jaden comes in instead of Monroe. And that was my first red flag when it came to how the rotations were being used. Because I think of Rudy Gobert, and do I think that Jaden's going to be the answer? No, he's not. The answer is going to be Greg Monroe. That's the answer. That's the way you go. Is Nathan Knight the answer? We saw against the Knicks, he's not the answer against bigger guys. He's not a prototypical center. He is a four. Can he play spot minutes at the center, maybe with foul trouble, things like that? Sure, I get that. But that's not what you should go. You shouldn't go out of your way to do that, putting him in a bad position, putting him in a position to fail. That's something that I have taken issue with. And then Vando now has two fouls. And I got to say, I don't think either was a foul. 
but that's the roughing that we got in this game, sadly. Ten free throws already for the Jazz. Only taken three shots. That's unheard of. So, yeah, the refs have had a large impact in this game. Beasley, another three-pointer, and I just keep asking myself, can he keep it up? That's always the question. Consistency. We have so many guys in this team that just aren't consistent. That's one of the reasons why it's it's so tough when you don't have Carl Anthony Towns because he's by far your – I mean, granted, he's your best player, but he's your most consistent player, and that's a big part of it. Wolves going real small in this game, especially now as Beverly's out, and for some odd reason, J-Mac is in. So now it's J-Mac, Beasley, Edwards, Vando, and Jaden. Thankfully, it was a super brief stint, and Maroa ends up coming in. But why are we doing it at all? It's just frustrating to me. When Pat Beverly came back, I said to myself, I don't think, and I had discussions with, with people on Twitter, for example, I didn't think that J-Mac would continue to play. And he does. Every game, he keeps playing. So there's something about his game that Finch is in love with. I, w- I want to challenge somebody that's actually at the media sessions because we, unfortunately, here at the Howl and uh, on Nothing But Net, we have not broken through that um, those doors yet to get into uh, the media sessions. But we hope, we hope we're close. We hope we're close. And bottom line is somebody needs to ask those questions. In the Minnesota media, there's a big difference what the kind of questions or the way media act act here as opposed to like a New York, right? I want people to be tougher on our coaches. Just if you look at whether it's the Wolves, whether it's the Vikings, whether it's whoever, we've had a lot of bad coaches here in Minnesota. I'm not saying Chris Finch is a bad coach. I like Chris Finch. I think he's going to be really good. But just in general, I feel like we need to hold our coaches more accountable than we do. That's kind of how I feel. And I know there's a lot of people that feel that same way about Mike Zimmer. When you look at Mike Zimmer, and his time with the Vikings, there's a lot of questions that people want answers to, and they never get asked. The questions never get asked. I just think that right there is just a, a little frustrating, at least you know for me anyways. Beasley and Edwards have 12 of the Wolves' 14 points so far, but it is a one-point game. Wolves lead with 5.20 to go in the first. Edwards gets fouled as, he knocked, as he's knocked to the floor. No call on the drive. And then Beasley, so frustrating, with a take foul as the Jazz are in the bonus. Don't give a take foul in the bonus. The reason why you give take fouls is when it's early in the quarter, when you know you're not in the bonus. When you're in the bonus, there's no point in giving a take foul because, yes, granted, Edwards goes down. They have a 5-on-4, but guess what? What's more difficult, a 5-on-4 or a 1-on-0 sitting at the free throw line taking shots? Got to be smarter than that. That's the bottom line. You got to be smarter than that. J-Mac, a couple nice steals. I got to give him credit. Over this stretch since D'Angelo Russell went out, when Beverly was out, we've started to see more J-Mac. Better than I expected him to be. I'm not saying he's good. I still don't think he should be playing when we're healthy. But he filled in and he was filling in, I guess I would say admirably, would be the, the best way to put it. And Wolves, by the way, already up to five steals in this first quarter. So really cool to see that. Three minutes to go, and the Wolves finally get to the line for the first time. And what do we do? Monroe misses both free throws. I got to give him credit, though. Just like I did Nas earlier, Monroe has fantastic footwork. In this game, he had a play where his footwork was so good that Hassan Whiteside literally fell over. And 25-20, Wolves are down, unfortunately, as Mitchell is absolutely on fire, already up to three threes. And after one quarter, it has really started to get a bit ugly. 29-22, to 22, Wolves are down by 7. 
Second starts with a million offensive rebounds for the Wolves and no points. And this is not the first, it's not going to be the last game where this happens. Another game we see it in is the game we're going to talk about next, and that is that Laker game. There were multiple possessions where the Wolves were dominating the offensive class, and they'd get three, four opportunities, and nothing to show for it. Very frustrating. And that's been a common thing recently as we've struggled to score a bit. For the most part, in this game, I felt like the shooting from the Knicks game had carried over. Seven turnovers, only two for the Wolves. That's good to see, but you got to make shots. That's the bottom line. You have to make shots. And it does start to get ugly in this one here in the second as the lead is now up to 10. And Jazz, they always seem to have an answer as Ant hits a pretty step back three, and what happens? Mitchell answers right back to keep the lead at nine points. Wolves back to within five, though, as the shooting starts trending up a little bit as Beasley hits another three, and then Ant hits one as well. Nathan Knight, what a fantastic block. And then uh, they show the replay, and uh, yeah, maybe he went through the net a little bit. But you know what? The refereeing was bad in this game. We'll take a few things going our way. They talked about this early on when Nathan Knight came up. There was that game where he hit two threes and was a big reason why we won the game. Shooting confidence is such a big thing in basketball. I don't care if you're in the pros. I don't care if you're playing intramurals. I don't care what level of basketball you're playing at. Shooting confidence is key. Now, granted, sometimes you can have too much confidence. I think we've seen that sometimes with Malik Beasley, right, where he just takes shot after shot after shot after shot. And it's one thing to have confidence, but you still have to take smart shots. You still need to play with high IQ. So, there's a fine line there, but ultimately you watch Nathan Knight shoot, and that one game he was shooting confidently. In this game, it was kind of hit or miss, and he hasn't made any threes since that one game. He does a lot of that pump fake and then drive in, and that could be successful at times, no question. But ultimately, if you don't start making threes consistently, not even at a high clip, what if he made one three every other game? I don't think that's too much to ask. He takes, let's say he takes three threes a game, right? And now you're, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a low percentage. It's not a high percentage by any means, but at least you get on tape and you can use that to your advantage. But as of right now, if I'm a defender, I'm not going to necessarily feel like I need to cover Nathan Knight because he hasn't shown that he has that consistency. Free throw shooting differential is massive in this game, but the Wolves, when they finally do get to the line, they never make the free throws. So it's tough to really complain about not getting foul calls, when you're not even taking advantage of the ones that you do get. And the Wolves, so many missed open shots. That has been the entire year. This is not a new thing. We've been dealing with this since game number one. It's just very frustrating. And, you know, the Wolves, it feels like they got lucky being only down nine points with two to go in the first half. Vando, his third foul. And again, no idea how it's a foul. It's absolutely ridiculous. Should have been on Gobert. And it's a different game if there was better refing. The Wolves have not played great. The Wolves have not shot great. But the refs have made a massive impact in this game. It's tough to overcome multiple deficiencies. So you come into the game, right? You're not shooting the ball really well. You're missing some of your best players. There's lots of things that are going against you. Now you throw referees in the mix, and it makes things that much more difficult. Pepev, a great steal, but Mitchell with a super flop. Refs buy it. And story of the game right there. 12-3 Jazz and ref run has the lead to 13. Beasley, four threes for the 16th time this season. 
And the Wolves answer by Noel fouling a three-point shooter. Wolves now have, this is not a typo when I say this, 17 fouls to the Jazz's six. And I can promise you those numbers weren't accurate. I mean, they're accurate as to what was actually called, but they're not accurate to what actually happened. And I'll say this, if it wasn't for Beasley, Wolves might be down a million right now, but they're fortunate they're only down 10. And actually at the half, it's a little uglier, but 63.50 at the half, to me that felt like fortune. It could have been so much worse. Jumping into the second half, Beasley starts the second half, gets his fifth three, and then another and three, and just like that, it is a nine-point game. Ant drives to cut the lead, misses a shot, no call, as there was some contact, but ultimately it wasn't that bad. It wasn't super egregious. It was kind of one of those 50-50 calls. But it does lead to a power play three for the Jazz, and the next possession, Ant gets his fourth foul, and Finch has seen enough. He gets a tee. Now, maybe the timing was bad for this because I don't know that at that moment the officials had necessarily been egregious, but the interesting thing was, so Dave and Jim talked about how they had... In this arena, so in the Jazz arena, they have not great location for where they're actually sitting. And initially, in live mo- live action, they thought it was egregious that Ant's foul wasn't called. So you're Chris Finch. You don't really have necessarily an amazing view either where you're at. And so ultimately, it's one of those things where you add that to what's already happened, and you can't necessarily blame Chris, blame Chris Finch for getting frustrated. Beverly, a, a floater, has the Wolves back within six as it's nice to see Bev finding his offense. He had that one game, the first game back, we struggled a little bit. It's nice to see him getting back on track. Whiteside ends up getting ruled out, unfortunately, for the Jazz, and you hate to see guys get hurt, and he was actually ruled out with concussion-like symptoms. So, I, you know, I hear that, and I just say to myself, you know, concussions are no joke. We see what's happening right now with Antonio Brown in the NFL. CTE is no joke. Concussions are no joke. And so, uh, for me, I hate to hear that word, and I just hope that uh, Hassan Whiteside ends up being okay. Nas has impressed me in this game a lot. Masterful footwork. We talked about it earlier. The rebounding effort was there. And, you know, his footwork has actually kept Rudy in check a bit as a shot blocker, which is tough to do. There's very few players in the NBA that have have gotten good about that. And there's also that fine line, right? Because the thing you run into is sometimes guys say to themselves, I'm going to go at Rudy Gobert. Not a lot of guys should be doing that. Some can, and good footwork can make a difference. Nas able to get the and one. He gets it to six with six to go in the third. As Jim Pete says, Wolves are competing as Beasley steals the ball, leads to a very pretty drive and layup by Ant, who's up to 19, and just like that, it's a four-point game. Jordan Clarkson tries for the answer, takes a million steps, but no travel called, but another stop as the Wolves' defense is absolutely fantastic. They were on a roll at this point in the third quarter. And then Ant does it again on the drive. It is a two-point game and another foul not called, sadly, as Ant creates the contact. Ant goes down, no call. And, you know, I watched it back. I can't tell if it was a foul, but he was really upset. And so was Beverly. And Finch actually uh, forces Bev to foul. It's, It's just, it was kind of an interesting sequence. It's tough to know because when you watch young guys play basketball, young guys in the NBA specifically, some of them tend to complain, maybe not some, but there's there's a there's a lot of complaining going on and it's tough for me to necessarily I haven't seen enough from Ant. Ant to me he does not get a lot of calls. So when I look at Ant when he gets frustrated, I generally believe that, right? There's some guys where you don't know whether or not that's the case. So ultimately, I, I didn't see it, but I got I got to throw my my hat on Ant's uh Ant's side of the ring. 
Bev comes out, and get this, Noel comes in, which is something that I've been asking for forever. Finally, no J-Mac. And again, I love Finch as a coach, but sometimes his rotations just don't make a lot of sense, and that's always my concern. Threesley, his sixth, and it's a one-point game. This is the Beasley that I personally was expecting coming into the season, and I love to see it. The confidence, it's all there. And uh, what I really appreciated, speaking of confidence, as he makes that sixth one, he held that finishing hand for a very long time. Jaden able to get the hit as well, and the Wolves lead. They are up three, or with three to go, I should say. They were up by one in the third. Refs, unfortunately, decide to step in, and they call a absolute bogus foul on Jalen Noel. You know, close replay, and I'm not sure that there was even contact. They had a great angle. I have no idea what the referees were looking at. And then Clarkson, a super flop, gets another call. This one on Monroe, and of course, Jazz are in the bonus. No shock there, and they are back up three. Again, first half, second half, the Wolves struggled in many instances, because the referees were so bad in this game. Or good, depending on who you're talking to, I guess. Uh, Knight misses one free throw. And as a team, Wolves are now 7 of 13. And this, you know, it's starting to be a team problem. Noel then goes 1 of 2. It's just ridiculous. These are free throws. They're not hard to make throws. They're free throws. Take advantage of getting to the line. Make your shots. Monroe, uh, when it rains, it pours. A really stupid, just stupid turnover, unfortunately. Thankfully, an ant three was the answer, and just like that, it is, again, a tie game. And, of course, what do we do then? Ant one of two from the free throw line, because that's what we do, I guess. I, I watch things like this, and I say to myself, how does an entire team forget how to shoot? This is kind of like when, I, when you'd watch some of those really bad twins teams, and you go into a game where... You had, let's say whether it was Joe Maurer, whether it was Michael Kadire, whether they're, whether whoever the player was, and they'd, they'd be hitting well. And all of a sudden, you get to a game, and every player on the team forgets how to hit. And it's not like it's just a pitcher, right? Because you, you go into the game, and maybe a pitcher's hot, but that guy's not in the whole game, right? And so eventually, you think, all right, he's out. We can hit this next guy. And the game ends, and you've got no runs. You've got two hits, and you're saying, how does an entire team forget how to hit? It's the same thing here. How does an entire team forget how to shoot? It's maddening, but despite all that, Wolves are up one with 30 seconds to go in the third. And after three, Wolves are actually up still 87 to 86. Clarkson is living right. He has to be because some of the toughest makes to start that fourth quarter. And then, of course, Noel gets his fifth foul. I appreciate his effort, but don't leave your feet. That's an issue that basketball teams have had since the beginning of time. A guy fakes. Guy leaves his feet, boom, it's a foul. It's so maddening to watch. Granted, we've all done it, I'm sure, right? But anytime I see it in the NBA, I just I just cringe because these are, these are the best of the best, right? I get you're going to make mistakes, but that's always just been one of my pet peeves is guys leaving their feet and then the flyby. I don't know that anything makes me matter watching when, you're, when you see your team playing defense and they're going to run out onto a three-point shooter and they fly by, and then what does the guy do? He fakes, steps to the side, or he drives in because... You're over in the stands now, and here he has a wide-open shot. It's just one of those things that's frustrating. And those are the little pet peevey things that, that really start to get to me. And uh, unfortunately, it is all jazz to start the fourth quarter as they are up six. One thing I will mention just in terms of positivity, Monroe in this game was pretty solid at getting screen assists. 
So uh, that's kind of an interesting uh, aspect of his game that I think uh, not everyone really appreciates. But again, Jazz starts strong, up six, and Finch calls the timeout. Jazz, unfortunately, can't miss anything. And it didn't seem to matter how hard the shot was, how good the defense was, they were going to make it. And just like that, they're up nine. And it was at that point, I kind of said to myself, this one feels like it's over. Malik, then two big misses from three. You absolutely needed those shots. Both shots, by the way, wide open, sadly. But he played a great game. So I can't sit here and rip him. The guy was one of the only reasons we were competitive. Gobert then, interesting play. He drills Vando in the face. No call. He threw his arm out on a shot attempt. Clearly an offensive foul with the clear out. And instead, Mitchell gets a call later in the same possession. And he gets three free throws. Absolutely ridiculous. That's a five-point swing in some cases, just depending on how you want to look at it. That's, I mean, that's crazy. There's been so many of these calls throughout this game. It's just it's tough to overcome that on top of the fact that you're not shooting well, on top of all the other issues. And just like that, the lead is 12. And like I said, the game really felt like it was over, and now it's really out of hand. Mitchell's up to 35 points, and it is a 13-0 run. Wolves are 0-12 when Beasley shoots 20 or more, and he's at 16 right now. What an interesting stat. I don't know what the... Part of it, I'll say this. Part of it is if you take a look at the fact that he has not been efficient this season, and then you say, all right, we're going to have this guy that's not making shots take 20 shots. Does that sound like a recipe for success? It does not, unfortunately. And then it is a 17-point lead. Wolves could not have played worse in the fourth quarter. 6.46 to go. And looking at this, they had an interesting stat here for the Utah Jazz, the second half of the se- the second half this season. So points, they are number one in the NBA at 59. Three-point field goals made first at eight. Field goal percentage, they are tied for first at 48, or just under 49%. Three-point field goal make differential, they are second, so plus two. So they are making two more three-pointers than the opposition on average. Point differential, outscoring their team by six in the fourth quarter at second in the NBA. And then field goal percentage in the paint, 59.3%, second in the NBA. You're talking about a team that dominates the second half, and we've seen it again here as they are absolutely destroying the Wolves in the fourth. 19, and I say yikes, and then yet 21 after a massive Gobert block. And to me, when you watch this fourth quarter, it almost felt like you were watching adults play children. That's how out of place the Wolves looked. They were that bad. Edwards then, a clear charge, and unfortunately that's his sixth foul and he's gone. So, again, referees are bad in this game. In this instance, it was his sixth foul. It happens. I appreciate he's going out there trying to get that or trying to do that extra thing. But at the same time, the only concern I have is you really need Edwards at this stage to be in the game. He's so incredibly crucial when you're already missing Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. But at the same time, this game was probably over, and you want to see that hustle. You want to see that effort. So it's good to see that. Interesting thing here, Jazz kept their starters in. So we're with there's under under five to go and a 20-point lead, and their starters are in. Meanwhile, our starters aren't in, although Jaden is still in. A couple nice makes in a row for Jaden, and then a new season high for Mitchell, up to 39 points. 2.30 left, and the starters are still in for the Jazz. They were asking to get hurt. Thankfully, no one else did. We talked about how... Hassan Whiteside got hurt, possible concussion, but it was nice to see no one else go down. Left your starters not long. You were you were, you were asking for trouble. Bottom line, one twenty to one hundred eight though is the final score in this one. This is a tough game. 
to say the least. You had moments where you looked pretty good. You had the lead going into the fourth quarter, but you're playing a team that's really good in the second half. You're missing some of your best players, and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they did what they needed to do to get the job done. Now we got one more game on the list here, and that is the Wolves taking on the Lakers. Early on, 5-4 Lakers are up as second chances and turnovers give Lakers the early lead. Nas, though, dominating the post. Six early points, and the Wolves are on top, 8-7. to seven. So you love seeing that. How about this? 20-17. to 17. And the surprising part, Ant has been pretty much invisible in this game. And by the way, the big jump from 8-7 to seven to 20-17, there just wasn't a lot of stuff to talk about necessarily at the beginning of that game. But again, Ant just kind of invisible. But Jaden, when he comes in, he didn't start. When he ends up coming in, he's able to hit that early three and he's able to keep the game within three points. With four to go, and Edwards gets his second foul. As Jim P pointed out, should have been offensive, maybe even flagrant, as he abruptly threw his elbow and hit Anthony Edwards in the face. Now, in live action, you couldn't see it. So, so it's one of those plays where it's tough to get really too upset about it, but it's just unfortunate that it ended up not going our way. Hasn't paid off yet, but Knight fighting on the offensive glass. And Jaden actually looking solid on both ends. But as a team, they just we just really seem to be struggling. We just didn't seem to have, I don't know what it was, but the Lakers definitely looked like the better team. How about this? Maybe we don't keep playing J-Mac. Another game where I say to myself, why is he in the game? You look back at that last game where we end up giving Jalen Noel the backup minutes in that second half. I just don't understand the obsession with J-Mac. When D'Angelo Russell's back, if J-Mac still plays, I have real concerns. And at that point, I hope other Wolves fans join me in my concern of some of the rotations that Chris Finch is choosing to use. I think it's a fair criticism at this point. I know a lot of people are going to disagree, though, and you know what? It is what it is. You move on. Uh, Anthony 3 has the Lakers lead pushed to 8, but Noel keeps it closer with the immediate 3 answer. Knight continues to improve on defense. Game in and game out, whether it's his defensive footwork, whether it's his decision-making, his ability to rebound at a high level, I just love a lot of the things that he's able to do on that end. And that's in addition to the fact that he's already a solid offensive player. So if he becomes a more well-rounded player, now you're talking about a 1-2 punch of Vando and Knight at your power forward position? Yeah. I will take that every day of the week. That was been a, that's been a kind of a a good debate I've had with a lot of a lot of other Wolves fans recently. Is what are we doing at the four position? Ideally, do we trade for someone? What is the best answer there? I personally think if you're going to make a trade, you're going to go a few different directions, right? I could see if you wanted to make a trade for Miles Turner. I completely get that. Although I will say this: the tough part about Miles Turner is he's got to start, right? You're not making that trade otherwise. Well. I'm not exactly jumping at the chance to change our starting lineup. In you know, by some metrics, we're the best starting lineup in the NBA. Granted, we're not always healthy, and that's part of it, but I don't want to mess with the combo of Vando and Towns. It's been so incredibly successful. So to me, I think the move to really make ultimately is to go after shooters. We need shooters, guys that can consistently make shots. And to me, I would grab veterans. That's what I want. I don't want young guys if I can help it. Now, granted, when I say I don't want young guys, hey, you're going to send me Desmond Bain. I'll take him. But ultimately, that's not realistic. If I'm looking realistic, then what I want is going to be veteran shooters, guys that are going to be able to come in the game, and you know if they're open, they're going to make shots. That's one of the reasons why people have brought up the name Eric Gordon, someone of that nature that he comes in, 
and he's going to hit shots, and that's it, bottom line. And that's what the Wolves need. 31-24 is your score after the first quarter. Honestly, mixed bag was how I felt after that first quarter. It wasn't a bad quarter. It wasn't a great quarter. There was just, it was a lot of uh, kind of, you know, like good stretch, bad stretch. Uh, again, a mixed bag. Uh, you know, going to that second ha- second quarter, Wolves, you know, you look at this, they've had their struggles. But what I like to see is that they continue to fight, and especially in the offensive glass. Jaden keeps the game within six. One thing that threw me a little bit here is Noel had that three earlier in the first quarter, but Noel's shot from three throughout this game was very weird. It just seemed almost rushed. Something seemed off about it. I don't know what it was, but it was definitely something that I noticed early on, and that's something I'm going to definitely continue to watch for. We've talked about in the past Malik Beasley and how there have been stretches where his arc changes game to game, sometimes shot to shot, and I just don't want to see something like that happen with Jalen Noel. Offensively, the other thing that's bugging me in this game is things seem so easy for the Lakers, and for the Wolves, it seems like they have to work so much harder to score any points. And Noel, you know, he might be struggling from three, as we talked about with his shot form, something seeming off, but man, he looks good everywhere else, including defense, and he leads the team with nine points. He's able to get towards the hoop. He's a a very talented mid-range shooter. There's a lot to like about him, bottom line. 36-38, 36-38, Wolves are down with 8.20 to go in that second quarter. Lots of guys contributing, and the bench has actually been pretty good. So these are a lot of things that you really want to see. Jaden, though, three fouls already, and that really overshadows what had been really good play. And his third was also a you know a real tough cause. LeBron, actually, is the one that created the contact, kind of got physical with Jaden McDaniels. I watched that replay a couple times. I'm just not sure what else Jaden is supposed to do. I, I'm never a big fan of... A player being the one that creates the contact and the other player gets that foul, that's a little tough for me. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm driving into the lane and you jump in front of me and get a blocking call. I'm not talking about that. Yes, I technically created the content or contact, but that's different. I'm talking more so about, let's say I have the ball and I'm backing you down. I'm throwing my body into you and then we get tangled up and it's a foul on you. Things like that. It's just one of those areas of the game where I don't know how you fix it necessarily or necessarily that it needs to be fixed. It's just one of those things that I've always kind of been a little frustrated with. Edwards gets a steal and a dunk, and just like that, the Wolves are back within three. The game's been sloppy, but Wolves were finding ways to be able to stay in it. And then Prince of Threes, his first game back, he ties it. Tie game at 45. And I love seeing him back. I'm not saying he's the greatest player ever, but as far as role players go, guys that can defend and hit shots and just do a lot of the little things, that's how I look at Tor- I look at um, Torian Prince. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, a master of none. I think that's how I see him and his role. Monroe so far hasn't played in this game, and to me it felt like it was because the Lakers aren't really playing a dominant big man. Wolves maybe felt like it wouldn't be the best fit, best matchup. I think that's fair. At this point, when when I finally realized he had not played, and they actually might have pointed it out, I said to myself, ah, it doesn't bug me. Whereas I talk about the previous games, and it, was, it bugged me because you're playing teams that have dominant post presence. When you're playing a team that doesn't have that, I get not, not having to go that direction. Game to game, it matters. And I think this was a game where it didn't necessarily make a big difference. Lakers 7 of 18 from 3 so far, and they are back on top after a Bradley make. And Bradley, throughout this game, 
had made some tough shots, to say the least. Malik Monk, of course, anyone that didn't watch this game, I can promise you he was really good as well. You know, scoring isn't there yet in this game, but Ant, I was really impressed that he was able to do a lot of nice things on both ends, whether it was passing, rebounding. I appreciate guys to understand that if I'm not going to make shots, I need to find a way to be contributing. I need to find a way to be positive, and Ant does that night in and night out. You know, somebody was saying how they really felt like his mindset just isn't always there. I don't know if I would agree with that necessarily. I definitely don't think it's like the Andrew Wiggins floating. And then, of course, someone brought up the jokingly, the ant, you know, the love of basketball, that kind of thing. I don't question that at all. You got to keep in mind, Ant's a really young guy. And, you know, he's got room to grow in many different areas. But to me, that's a maturity thing when you're able to say to yourself, here's the deal, guys. I'm not scoring, but I'm going to make sure to help this team in other ways. And he does that. And he did that in this game. And that was good to see. But ultimately, when you're missing Carl Towns, when you're missing D'Angelo Russell, Ant needs to be able to step up. And we just haven't necessarily seen that consistently. Consistency might be the word, it might be the buzzword for this episode because in a lot of ways, that's been the concern during this little losing streak is consistency. That's been a big part of it. But ultimately, you know what else is not consistent is the roster, is the rotations. You don't really know who's going to be playing game in, game out, and that makes things a little tough. Nas, second chance bucket, has him up to 14 points already, followed by TP taking a charge, then a Nas three air ball, unfortunately. Uh, Wolves winning in the paint, but another game where their three shooting has been absolutely abysmal, and that makes a giant difference, especially when you talk about how good on this season LeBron James has been from three. I mean, and the last over the last stretch of games, I think it's seven or eight games, he has been on an absolute tear, putting up pretty much historic numbers. I, oh Man, it's just we're so incredibly fortunate to be able to watch LeBron James night in, night out. And as a player that for the most part, has been fairly healthy in his career, you love to see it. I mean, any any game I get a chance to watch LeBron James is a good one. That's all i got to say about that. And he was fantastic. Uh, biggest difference to me was LeBron for the Lakers. Uh, you know, and for the Wolves, Nas ends the half with the and one, and it is 57-54. Nas was super efficient so far, 7 of 11, 17 points. And again, he continues to improve as a rebounder. He's already up to 7. One thing that surprises me, uh, as far as J-Mac is concerned, already five assists. And I look back at this point, I said to myself, I don't even remember him getting one assist, let alone five. Uh, Meanwhile, you look on the other side of the tape, and Westbrook, seven turnovers already. People love to hate Russell Westbrook, and I just, I've never been a big big fan of Russell Westbrook, necessarily, but ultimately I respect I respect his game. I respect what he's been able to do and his impact uh, you know, he's been able to have on the, on the NBA game itself. Looking at the stats at halftime, effective field goal percentage, yikes. 49% for the Wolves to 64% for the Lakers. Uh, 12 points off turnovers for both teams. Second chance points, Wolves ahead, 12 points to 7. And free throws, no shock there. We're always down. 5 of 5 for the Wolves, 7 of 9 for the Lakers. Again, that's where we're looking at the stats at halftime. Again, you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Net channel. We are the Howl, your source for all things Timberwolves here on the Nothing Net Radio Network on Dash Radio. Let's jump into that second half. Beasley able to tie it up right away with the opening three, and it's nice to see him join the party. Another guy that was pretty much just invisible in that first half. Beasley hits another triple, and the Wolves are back on top, 62-61, to with nine minutes to go in the third. Again, it's nice to see him start to 
kind of joined the team. He had been pretty much invisible in that first half, and he's a guy that, especially when you're down a lot of your top players, needs to step up. You know, it's nothing better than having Vando and his offensive rebounding back. He's now up to 10 rebounds total. Just so impressive. I don't know that there's a guy that does it better than him in the NBA. Recent one gets the Wolves, the recent, I should say, the most recent rebound of Vando's, gets the Wolves up four, and that is their biggest lead of the game so far. Nas continues to dominate, now up to 21, and that's actually a season high for Nas. Keep in mind, though, he doesn't normally play this many minutes, and so it's not surprising that when he gets starter-level minutes, he's going to score his most points on the season. Interesting, Oscar Robinson is now tied with LeBron James for, or sorry, games for free throws made, 7,694. So LeBron James and him tied, and that's fourth all-time. Pretty impressive stat there. And Nas, back to him, as he is feeling it, up to 23 points now in the third quarter. 23 total, I should say. And Threesley is finally here. Gets his third, and it keeps the Wolves up six. Unfortunately, it was short-lived. As all of a sudden, it's 72-72. And, you know, I'm watching the game, and I don't even know what happened. It just seemed like, boom, one second you're up six, one second you're losing. Because after that, it's 76-72, and it's a 10-0 run. Wolves sloppy, Wolves are cold from the field, and they just continue to miss threes. With And to me, I'm watching the saying, the key would be Edwards. Can he wake up scoring-wise? He's doing a lot of other nice things, but you need him to score if you're going to be successful. Noel, though, able to tie it back up with an impressive and one. And how about this? The Wolves now up to 24 bench points in this contest. Jaden up to five fouls as he does so many things well, but he continues to foul at a shockingly high level. And there's a minute to go in the third. And think about that. A minute to go in the third, got to pull him. He's already at five fouls. It's just frustrating, and it really creates a problem when you don't have a lot of depth. 80-78, to 78, the Wolves are up after three. And you think about this, and you say to yourself, all right, Wolves are 15-3 and three winning after three so far this season. That's great. Unfortunately, guess when one of the losses happened? Just now against the Jazz. So you say to yourself, all right, it'd be great to win this. It'd be great to keep up with this statistic. But we just had the failure in the last game. What's it going to take to get over the hump this one? Malik up to 13 now, and the Wolves up 86-82. 10-21 to go in the fourth. More second-chance points. The effort on the glass in this game for the Wolves was absolutely spectacular. 91-90 as the back-and-forth ensues. Now nine lead changes in the game. Eight minutes to go in the fourth. Wolves able to get Lakers on top with just sloppy passing on multiple possessions. Wolves did not value the basketball, and that's going to be a huge issue when you're playing a LeBron James-led team. Wolves able to get the board down two. Finch calls a great timeout, obviously looking to settle things down a little bit. I thought that was really important. And this one feels like it's coming out of the wire, out of the timeout. Guess what? A Wolves turnover, and now 19 turnovers. That's right, up to 19 turnovers in the game. 97-91 is the score, then all of a sudden, just like in that third quarter, it's just like you snap your fingers and the game gets out of hand. 97-91, and to me, even though there's five minutes to go, I felt like this was the point where I could say to myself, this one's over. Wolves were making too many mistakes and just couldn't get any stops. All of that added up to a big run for the Lakers. And then 97-93, Wolves going small as Nas and Noel are pulled. Keep in mind, Jaden has five fouls already at this point. Lakers knock the ball to bounce. Very strange. They knock it out, but it's their ball. And then the Lakers call a timeout. So is that a loophole to prevent a team from challenging? That was the question I had as they went to break. And then they come out of the break, 
Finch did challenge it, and he won. So it's kind of a weird little sequence. I don't know what ended up happening there, and I don't know if they just got the timeouts wrong on the telecast. It was just a little confusing, to say the least. Wolves back to within four, though, after a Vando transition dunk, and he looked like he was grimacing a little bit, maybe in a little bit of pain. But meanwhile, the Wolves now on top, 52-32 points in the paint. And you look at that and say, man, just imagine if you could shoot threes. Now, granted, that number would drop if you were hitting threes because some of that second-chance points, that, that plays a role. Also, I think some of it plays a role in the fact that when no one can hit threes, there's probably more of an effort to get points inside. So that number could definitely fluctuate a little bit. But ultimately, if you could hit more threes, I do think you'd be a more successful team in this game. Threesley, though, answers again, has it back to a one-point game with 3.31 to go. He now has 3,000 career points as well, but Mello, unfortunately, answers with a four-point play. Bradley then hits a buzzer beater, a prayer fadeaway, and it always brings this point up to me. It's crazy how teams make impossible shots against the Wolves every single game. Doesn't matter how good the defensive is, doesn't matter how good the, the or how difficult the shot is, they find a way to make it. I don't know. I mean, some of it's luck, right? Because some of the guys making it are not good. You know, when it happens with Donovan Mitchell, you say, all right, it's Donovan Mitchell. The guy's one of the best. When it happens with Avery Bradley, I just kind of go, well, that sucks. <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Not that Avery Bradley's a bad player, but he's not that good. Papev, then an intentional foul. So it's Hack of Westbrook with 110 to go. And sadly, he makes both. So he's a guy that shoots in the 60 percentile, four free throws. Not today, apparently. And just like that, it's a seven-point game, and that's all she wrote. So many turnovers down the stretch, most of them unforced and live ball. Over 20 turnovers in this game. 108-103 is your final score. You know, I could jump into the box score, but ultimately I just don't want to. This is a game where the Wolves fought hard for a good part of it, but they just couldn't get out of their own way. And on top of that, you're playing LeBron James. It makes a difference. It does. And so... Uh, that's where we're going to leave it from this game. Again, you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Channel. We are the Howl, your source for all things Timberwolves on Dash Radio and on Nothing But Net. And now we're going to jump into the last game we're talking about on this show, and that is the game. And now we're jumping into Wolves Clippers, a fun matchup and. What's nice is one of the best games that we've seen recently, especially given we were still missing Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. An interesting stat coming into this game, 43.5% is Malik Beasley's corner three-point percentage over the last 20 games. In fact, he leads the NBA in corner three-point attempts, 101, and is up to almost 40% for the season. Very, very impressive there. And how about this? This this stat, courtesy of At Wolves Radio, the Wolves... Radio voice, Alan Horton, as he talks, Malik is the only Timberwolves player to appear in every game this season. So pretty cool there. Good job by him. And let's jump into the game itself. For anyone that wasn't able to watch this, if you have a way to go back and watch it, you definitely should. This was an enjoyable game. I would say start to finish, but there were definitely some higher points. So we're going to jump in here. Wolves have lost six in a row to the Clippers. Biggest losing streak the Wolves currently have, as all the other bigger ones, they had actually already ended this season. Nas comes out strong again, and the Wolves are up 4-0. Make it 6-3, as Nas himself has the first six Wolves points. Nas then gets a huge block, and honestly, early in this game, he was a man possessed, doing so many things to help the Wolves get off to a strong start. Edwards struggling a bit so far on defense, 
He seemed a little lost at times, whether it was not fully closing out on three-point shooters, whether it was not really understanding where he was supposed to be on the floor. Something just seemed a little bit off. And after the game, actually, Chris Finch ended up saying just as much. He said, I pulled him because of what I was seeing on the defensive end. So uh, I guess clearly there was something going on in that first quarter that Finch didn't like, and it was noticeable, I thought. Uh, on top of that, after the game, Edwards basically said, you know what? I, I, got, I, I felt like I wanted to get upset about it, but ultimately uh, he, he knew it was on him to be better, and he definitely did that and got better as the game as the game went on. You're not winning this game without Anthony Edwards. He was really good last night when, when all was said and done. Clippers on fire already from three, and that has them back on top in the first. The one thing, though, Clippers not valuing the basketball. Five turnovers already, and Beasley, five points in a row, has the Wolves back on top, 17-13. to 13. Nas with that hot start, 4-4 from the field after he's able to hit a three. Wolves are off 22-15, a nice seven-point lead, 2.49 to go in the first quarter. 24-15, and Clippers call timeout. Wolves up to nine points off turnovers. Akogi ends up coming in, and all I can say is, ugh, this guy, man, already making mistakes. The Wolves have to be better in transition, and it's such a weird lineup that they went with, probably one we haven't used. Noel, Akogi, Prince, Knight, and Jaden, and the Wolves have lost all the momentum that they had been starting to build. The one thing I will say, we didn't have to watch J-Mac in this game. That's an improvement, so I'm not going to complain. I'm Baby steps, right? Finch is starting to make the right calls. Or Finch has done a great job on the season. I just think rotation-wise, at times, he needs to be better. And he himself said as much after the Laker game. He talked about how he needed to be better about the rotations he chooses to use. So, guess what? I'm not alone. Even Finch agrees that he needs to do a better job. Akogi, here we go. This is fun. Akogi takes and obviously misses a highly contested three. And here's my problem. I don't want Akogi basically shooting ever. Wide open even. I don't feel like he's going to make it. So you know what I definitely don't want? Contested threes. Just doesn't make any sense. Clippers at that point on a 6-0 run. 26-21 though as the Wolves are clinging to a five-point lead after the first quarter. Clippers back to within two as the Wolves struggling. And Jaden answers the call with a huge and tough three to really get the Wolves on track. Noel with a huge dunk. And then you know what the Wolves do as a result? Everyone falls asleep. No one gets back on defense. And it's an alley-oop for the Clippers. Ant answers with a three. Pushes the lead to 36-28. 8-31 to go in the second. So far, seven points off ten Clippers turnovers for the Wolves. Honestly, that's just sad. And... They're up nine, could easily be 15. Jim Pete says that, and he's completely right. If you're going to have 10 turnovers, I want at a minimum 10 points. Average one point of turnover. To me, that's the bare bones what you should be getting. On top of that, think about this. They're at seven. You could you have the potential of scoring 30 points off of those 10 turnovers, right? Maybe even more depending on fouls, things like that, and you only have seven. That's just not enough to get the job done, and you need to be more efficient. Something that's really crazy to me, with 7.30 to go in that second quarter, Wolves shoot their first free throw of the game. And I'm not saying it's been bad officiating because it hasn't. Just surprising that it took that long for the Wolves to be able to get to the line. 43.30 as the Wolves do take advantage finally of some of the Clippers' turnovers and the Clippers call a timeout down 13. And though, another turnover. And another game where the Wolves need him to step up. And at least to this point in the game, he just didn't seem to have it. I don't know what it was, but something was off. And 
what we hadn't seen in this game, at least to this point, was him contributing in other ways. That's what we've seen in other games where he maybe just didn't have it scoring-wise. Maybe he got rebounding. Maybe he was doing a good job defending or assisting others. I just didn't see that early on in this game. Meanwhile, Noel, a big stint as the point guard, and it worked well, and it paid off. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder why no one thought to do that sooner. Wonder why we wanted to start with J-Mac from day one when we needed an emergency use point guard. Oh, wait. Guess what? You know who thought of that? Pretty much everybody other than Chris Finch. Ugh, just frustrating. Jaden, by the way, gets the Wolves up 16. And as always, I say I'm never comfortable to the lead is 30. 16's great. You'll take it. You're happy they're playing well. But until it gets to 30, or if it's very late in the game, I just don't feel comfortable. I've seen too many Wolves teams over the years blow big leads but 540 to go in the second and Jaden is feeling it hits his third three and now it's a 19 point lead and the Wolves on a 23 to 6 run overall and then Jaden what looked to be his fourth three they rule it a two and replay shows yeah his foot was definitely on the line but still good to see him being able to be confident and be successful from deep Whole team starting to heat up after an ant three Wolves now 7 of 17 which is great for that cold start and despite all of that, Wolves' lead is not only not bigger, it's actually smaller, as the Clippers just cannot miss. Antho waking up on both ends of the court, and that is exactly what this team needed to be successful. Wolves' biggest lead of the game was 20 now, and after the make, Bev is smack-talking Serge Ibaka. you love to see it. That's one of the things that's great about him, is he gets under the skin of other people. Kind of a weird play happens then. Talked about how the officials have been pretty good. There was one play that was a little frustrating, Abaka uh, goes in with what appears to be an obvious offensive goaltend, and especially obvious because the Wolves actually had better position to grab the ball. They all waited because it was still in the cylinder. Meanwhile, Abaka just jumps up and dunks the basketball, and the whole Wolves team yell, referees do absolutely nothing. And unfortunately, speaking of absolutely nothing, we don't get a replay from Bally Sports. I, <laughs> we've talked about this all year long. They've gotten better, but we're still seeing that in some games. They just do a really bad job with bringing up replays. It's very frustrating, but I move on as Clippers now up to 14 turnovers. 64-46, the Wolves are up at the half, and the Wolves shot 57%. Some impressive ball movement to start the second half for the Wolves, and then a number of possessions where all we got was ISO, whether it was Ant, Bev, that was frustrating, and it went poorly. No shock. Yes, I get it. Sometimes you get Really, really good ISO from Ant does that step back three. There are times where it works really well, but when, you're, when your offense has been moving the ball really well and it's been successful, why not continue to do it? Jim Pete has actually talked about that, how it frustrates him seeing that ISO possession when we have the ability to pass as well as we do. Ant's able to get it back to 18. That's his third three, and he has 15 to lead the way for the Wolves. And a quiet 15. It just kind of out of nowhere you're saying, wow, all right, Ant's really coming alive here, and he's doing a lot of great things. He started off a little slow. Finch pulled him. He got the message, and he pushed it to the next gear. That's exactly what you want to see. Very impressive there. Wolves have forced double-digit turnovers in 33 straight games, and that is, I believe, the number one in the NBA as far as live streaks are concerned currently, which is cool to see. And Clippers now 17 turnovers so far in this game. Bev gets his 10th assist of the game, this time assisting Beasley. And Wolves' biggest lead of the game now 21 with 7 to go in the third. Make it 24. Ant's fourth triple with 5 minutes to go. Noel, three ball, another game. And 
I don't know what it is, but his three his three ball shot looks awful. Happened last game. It's happening this game. It's starting to become a trend. I don't know what happened because before I really felt confident when he was shooting a three. I don't anymore. At this point, I want him to to drive it in, take shots at the rim, mid range. But when he shoots a three, I feel pretty confident that it's not going in right now. I don't know what changed, but that's definitely a, a development that is not good. Prince gets his three, has the Wolves back up to 22, and he's put in some solid minutes in this game, and he's up to double figures. After three, it is 85-65, and honestly, we should be up 22, but Jaden, a complete mental mistake. One thing you don't ever do, you do not save the basketball on the other team's end. If you're going to save it, you throw it far down, but you don't just give it a quick toss because what happens? Yeah, that's right. The other team intercepts it and scores an easy layup. Again, 85-65 after three. I got to credit the Wolves, who thus far have answers for all Clippers runs and are still up 20 early in the fourth. Unfortunately, just as I say that, Xavier Moon catches fire, and it's a 15-point game. And keep in mind, Clippers were down 13 midway through the fourth to the Nets and won. So no lead is safe. And just like that, it's 12 with nine to go. And then finally, Jaden is able to end that run by hitting his fourth three-pointer of the game. Edwards, by the way, then hits his fifth three of the game. Wolves are answering the Clippers' hot shooting with some of their own. And now they're up 16 again and then make it 18 off the turnover and the push in transition. And this is good. Jim Pete, I thought, said this best. This is, a, this is the perfect name for this. Vando makes deflating plays. So he makes plays that frustrate, and when he does it, if you're on the opposing team, you just kind of, like he said, you kind of get deflated, and you're like, really, seriously? It's kind of like when you're playing in a game of 21, and you're just kind of trying to have a good time, or a game of lightning, you're trying to have a good time, right? You're playing it, and someone takes it maybe too seriously, if that makes sense. I, I know a lot of people are going to call me crazy for that, but that's the comparison I make where you're kind of just out there having a good time, not really not really looking to do anything. Maybe you're playing with some friends and there's that one guy that's like, I don't care, I'm playing tough. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play tough defense, all that stuff. Vando has that motor that he just never, no matter what, never turns off, right? And if you're that opposing team, you know, beware, it's going to happen to you eventually. So, very cool to see that and continued. You saw what the Wolves were lacking when Vando wasn't out there. He's just been so impressive. And again, I'll say it, I think he's got to be one of the front runners for most improved player. I don't think he will be one of the front runners because he doesn't score enough. And as people know, one of the biggest metrics people look at as far as improving is your scoring average. So that's the unfortunate part about that. But the Wolves, the lead back up to 20 and Ant up to 26 points now, 641 to go in the game. Papev then kind of gets fouled hard. Replay makes it actually a flagrant one on Ennis. And actually, before they actually called the flagrant, yeah, it was funny because Papev gets up, he's talking smack, and then he goes over and gives Steve Ballmer a five on the sideline, which I thought was pretty funny. And Wolves are now up 22, and they have the ball, 521 to go. Make it 24, and this one better be over. Now 25, and biggest lead of the game, 27, as Bev is now up to 12 assists, which actually ties his career high. Wolves up to 15 made threes in this game after another Prince of Threes make, and that was much needed. And they do end up making more, including a Nakogi three, which is nice to see. But again, ultimately, I don't need to see Josh Kogi. That's the bottom line. Four minutes to go, though, and the Wolves pull most of their starters as they have a 25-point lead. And that's all she wrote. I was so impressed with the Wolves. 
I don't want to say start to finish, but overall, I was impressed. There were some stretches at the beginning. Final score here, you win by 18, 122 to 104. Who's not taking that? I mean, very impressive for the Wolves. You talk about Anthony Edwards finishes with 28-4-2. Hey, that's a nice stat line. I do think he needed to be better to start the game, and Finch kind of gave him that kick in the pants that he needed, and he did it. You look at Jared Vanderbilt, right? Nine rebounds, eight points. We'll take that. Who's complaining about that, right? You Nas Reed, I talked about how he's been better as a rebounder, but six rebounds, to me, is not getting the job done as a starting center. Now, part of it is you're playing with Vanderbilt, right? That does sometimes make a difference. But ultimately, he needs to be more consistent. Double-double for Patrick Beverly was good, 11-12. and 12. T- Torian Prince, by the way, off the bench, 17 points. So impressive. I, I am such a big Torian Prince fan. He does so many of the little things. And as Jim Pete talked about last night, are we finally starting to see the Torian Prince we thought we were getting when he was traded for him? Jalen Noel, not his best game ever, but he did so many things. Eight points, five assists, six rebounds, and probably my favorite stat of the night, zero minutes for Jordan McLaughlin in mattered in minutes that mattered. He played at the end of the game when we pulled everybody. That needs to be the case. Every game, unless we're super shorthanded, as long as we have two point guards, and I'm including Noel in that mix, as long as we have two of them, there's no reason why Jordan McLaughlin should play other than in mop-up duty. That's it. That's the way I, that's the way I feel about that. Again, final score in this one, 122-104. to The Wolves win it, and it was a good way to end these last four games. They hadn't struggled necessarily, but they hadn't been able to get any wins recently. Big to see this. And think about that. This is a nice setup for Wednesday when we're hopefully – going to be getting back Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. That could make a really big difference. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing That channel, and we are The Howl. Thank you for tuning in. If you missed any of this show, make sure you listen on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts, The Howl can be found in podcast form. Make sure you give us a listen, a review, and subscribe. We would appreciate all of that. And until next time, let me get a howl.